When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, and welcome to episode three. So I, I just wanted to express my extreme gratitude to everybody listening right now. It, you're, you've stuck around for three episodes. This is a huge milestone. Um, I, you know, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by your support. So I just wanted to thank you all so much. And yeah, so let's take care of business real quick. Right now, you're listening to a lo-fi hip-hop beat by a friend of a friend named Jack Calby. You can find his uh, YouTube by searching Jack Calby, and this is specifically from his first released uh, stream, if you would call it that, called Lo-Fi Bird Feeder Beats to Chill Work Study Vibe 2. Yeah, it's got, you know, these great self-recorded lo-fi beats. Uh, My friend Kyle, who will be on the podcast at some point, has a song where he has some uh, saxophone samples in that song. And there's also some great photography work uh, of a bird feeder that has, you know, different videos of birds eating at the feeder, uh, squirrels munching down. So yeah, Jack Calby on, on YouTube. Please check him out. This is this is an amazing first first thing you put out is it sounds like one of the the mainstays of the lo-fi hip-hop youtube that we all know and love anyway let's get into this episode um so in this episode i have alex and andrew on again uh to go over some stuff that was alluded to in the first episode uh we go over all of Andrew's turmoils over the past two weeks. Uh, we talk a little bit about Alex's annoyances with this with this uh, forum. And we roast him a little bit, and so deservedly so. He deserves to get roasted. Also, we, you know, we, me and Andrew get back into aliens. You guys like the aliens, and we're going to keep getting back into the aliens because I think it's very entertaining and... I have some people in my life who feel very strongly about this, so I'm glad that they are able to communicate those things with me. It brightens my day. And yeah, uh, a couple other shout-outs. If you haven't noticed or if you haven't heard this beautiful artwork that you're seeing on uh, the, the pages where this podcast is shared is by my good friend Anna Stapper. Her name, her Instagram is Anna, A-N-N-A dot Stapor, S-T-A-P-O-R. And she does great artwork. 
Uh, so please go check her out. And I'll, I'll hit you guys with the calls to actions after this episode. So let's just jump right into this thing. Here you go, man. The piece de resistance. And we're here. Uh, welcome, everybody, to episode three. Yay! Yay. Uh, so today we have Alex and Andrew from episode one. W- wouldn't you guys say hello there? Hey, it's Alex. Good to be back. It's Andrew, back from the dead. Uh, hope everybody's doing well out there. Yeah, so uh, I I thought we needed to do a little callback for this for the first part of this episode because some crazy stuff went down at the end of the last episode and we were kind of unable to touch upon it. Uh, also, Andrew, because of those crazy things, Andrew was a uh, a little bit his his segments were cut a little short, and so maybe he can expand on those a little more in this episode but first off let's let's just get into it man andrew what the hell happened to you over the course of the last week and don't leave anything out oh my Tell gosh us everything okay well i think my parents know everything so i guess i can say everything anyway well basically i just had like a really crazy la- last week there was something about it like so many things went wrong in like such a condensed time period like starters um, I, uh, let's, let's back it up a little bit to, we recorded the podcast on Saturday and on about Thursday afternoon, I don't know if you guys have ever like had that moment where you feel yourself getting sick, like the night before you, like it, it's official, you're sick. So Thursday night, I'm not feeling great. I'm like, well, I mean, it could be a couple of different things. I could be just, you know, it could be a cold. I could be under the weather. I mean, obviously, with the whole pandemic situation, um, I was thinking about that. So then Friday, I call up um, my doctor and we do, you know, like a quick 30 minute Zoom call uh, where I share some symptoms. And they said that a couple of the ones that I, I had listed, um, you know, were, were common with COVID-19. Um, and do you remember this, what those were, which ones exactly at the time? I, at the time I was feeling like, um, I had a bit of chills. I also had a pretty significant fever Thursday, Friday. I never got like an actual temperature reading on it. Um, just general, like a, a bit of nausea as well. Uh, but I didn't really have any sort of like breath issues or anything, um, like no shortness of breath, which is good. Um, but anyway, I go and I take the test. Um, and at first I was terrified when I was taking the test because from what I had heard, uh, you know, the first round of testing, uh, that they did is, uh, it was this really painful, uh, tube that they basically shoved as far back in your nostril cavity as they could have, and just held it there for a moment. Um, so I, you know, I'm driving over there. It's like a 20, 20 minute drive, uh, from my house. Um, you know, over to my doctor's office. Um, It it was kind of sketchy. They had me pull in the back parking lot and like, they didn't want me to come inside and say, I was there or anything. They just had me honk my horn. (laughs) So then I do. And like, you know, these people in like, not hazmat suits, but you know, the face shields and the mask and, and scrubs and everything comes out. I, you know, I'm waiting there in my car. Like I have a hoodie I was talking about how I had a fever and the chills, like I had a hoodie on and it was probably like a solid, like 90 degree hot Nova summer day. 
and I'm sitting there like, you know, just trying to sweat my ass off to like, you know, sweat out the fever. So they come out and the test wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be at all. Like it was just basically if you've ever taken like a Q-tip and just, you know, rubbed it around in your nostril for a couple seconds, like it was that for 15 seconds. Um, and then I drove off and went home. And so that was Friday. And so then Saturday we record the podcast. Yeah. So, so tell me what happened Saturday. What led up? What what else happened before you? The, the crazy stuff happened. Were like why did you sound like that on the podcast? Was it because of the carbon monoxide or was it something else? I think it was just the culmination of like four different things at once. Um, so, I mean, again, they had told me on Friday after I tested, like it could be four days before you find out it could be seven. Um, but in the whole time I'm thinking like, I just need to like, you know, sit inside. I'll just bunker down in my room. I have a bathroom across from it. You know, if I just need to grub hub everything for food, like that's, that's what I'll do. Like, I just want to come into as little contact with my roommates as possible because I have three of them. Um, and Saturday I was thinking, well, you know, I could just do this or I could, uh, <laughs> this is where, this is where I get uncomfortable talking about it. I could, um, you well, know, make... your name has been redacted, so you are safe. What? <laughs> was my name redacted? Uh, well, it's just, it's your first name. So, I mean, unless somebody can figure that out. Someone knows my voice, but whatever. So I, well, I had somebody, my last yeah. name is Big Penis. So I had a little bit of cannabis and I figured out that this way that you can, you know, edibles are a thing. And most of the time when somebody makes edibles, they uh, make what's called can of butter where they break down the cannabis. And then for about like a process of two to three hours, um, they basically like stir it into butter and then you can make all sorts of baked goods with that. It's basically just butter with the, you know, obviously an elevated THC content. Uh, but I was thinking that what I could do was I could bypass that step of the equation and just, um, so if I, it turns out as I was doing some reading, you can't just like eat cannabis and like get the psychoactive effects. Like you have to yeah, either, you have to, you have to bake it. Yeah. So you have to either, you have to either smoke it or you have to bake it for about 30 to 40 minutes at 235 degrees or so don't do not try this at home kids this is only for storytelling purposes um and so then it basically just becomes as you know as potent as what you find in an edible so then like i cooked maybe like a gram and i was like okay well there's like half a gram in there's like half a gram in a joint right so that should be about 50 milligrams like if we're assuming that like 10% of the pot is, is THC. So that was my guesstimate. And so then I cooked it and I, I had half a gram. And then as I'm waiting for it, I Google this particular strain that I had. And it's actually like twice the content of THC that I thought it was. And so I was like, Oh God, like this is going to be, this is not going to be fun. Um, and is that so when you then, number five, yeah, that's when I ordered. Well, that we're we're getting up to that. Um, I had to bring that back because no, nobody laughed at the joke the first time. It didn't work the second time either. I'm sorry. I keep telling a story. Well, that's the second is like I was on the podcast and you know I we probably started recording like an hour and fifteen minutes after I ate after I, I ate the pot 
Um, so and then we record the podcast and I felt mostly fine. You know, I was a little out of it, like as I mean, we can get into it because I don't even frankly remember like those segments that you cut from the first episode where it just got wacky. There's you know, so I, much that we cut. Oh, my God. Like, I just remember I, I remember talking about the aliens and then I remember like I just kind of took a backseat to a long time. Uh, to you and Alex just kind of having your conversation about lawnmowers and blood play and all that stuff. Uh, right. There was a good like 20 to 30 minutes between the alien conversation and when you took a, a backseat when it, it was just like we were we were kind of talking about things and, and then you would just shoot off into other topics and we would have no chance of even trying to follow you. It, it was pretty well, funny. I'm pretty sure at some point I told Andrew to like that I was going to hang up on him or something because he was being really ridiculous. That yes. was cut from the first episode. And I think after I told him that, he's like, oh, no, I can behave. And then he just was I just, just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> we just forgot that you were on the podcast at that point. Which is started, actually yeah, that's exactly when he stopped talking. That's that was probably a pretty good thing. Not no offense, Andrew, because you were like on top of having a horrible cell phone connection, which is partly my fault because, hey, guys, if you're wondering, we're using a cool new audio recording software right now all of us are remote and it sounds like we're in the same room so uh we improved upon our 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 episode one tactics but anyway andrew had a horrible connection episode one and on top of that he was like just completely i don't know i guess <laughs> he wasn't making any sense he sounded like i thought at first i didn't even know about the um edible stuff and i thought he was just poisoned and I was like, well, honestly, that makes sense. And I was like, I was able to accept that. But the fact that there was another substance involved definitely, definitely helps a little bit. So, so the, this for the just... Chungus cast listeners, this is the first time they're hearing the real Andrew. They're meeting him for the first time. Well, what is the, let's get into that. What is the real Andrew? What well, is, this is the is... sober Andrew. Um, okay, and this is they, the Andrew who's not better. being poisoned by his house. <laughs> um, but so let me go. Let's backtrack a little bit and just go into, so it sounds like, uh, you know, I was more for more better or worse, uh, pretty incapacitated for a good chunk of this podcast. So I remember later after I got off the podcast, um, I, I don't remember doing much, honestly. Like, I, I feel like we were recording for like a solid hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, and what time did we start? Like 1230 or was it later in the day? Oh, it was like 230. Okay, so let's say we're recording until like four. And so four to six is kind of blurry to me. Uh, but like closer to six, like five, five fifteen, five thirty, like I start to like freak out a little bit. Um, and there's like a million things going through my mind. At one point, um, I actually like thought that I was reading <laughs> my roommate's minds. And I was like, okay, this is something really bad. Explain, explain oh this. How did you? Th how could you possibly think that? This is gonna somehow turn into more alien shit. No. Did you? What time was this? This was probably like five fifteen, five thirty. So we were done recording. Oh, we were well past recording. Okay. And I was just trying to go on my merry way and just ride out, you know, the cannabis. Um, but at some point, I just felt like it was like I was tapping into. Um, like my roommates' minds, and like I thought I had heard them say from the hallway, which I'm pretty sure this was now like just an auditory hallucination, or I had heard them say something, but I, my mind like filled in the blank with, 
hey, hey, Ruben, Andrew is reading our minds right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, something is really poor. Something, I, I just had like this impending sense of anxiety. Like, yeah, that's not the weed. That's, that's schizophrenia. That sounds like, that sounds like a reaction to THC to me. No, that sounds like if you get into like really high doses, you can have similar reactions. To I that. mean, dude, like I, not me personally, but just being paranoid to that extent where you're extrapolating on your environment like that is definitely normal. Yeah. Or and, at least not abnormal. But anyway, like, it, I mean, it was obviously abnormal because like, you know, I was like not expecting it to be like to that level, like, you know, like above a hundred grams were you know, to like someone who's not like a seasoned smoker, like it's just very, it's very intense. Like it's, it was almost like how I imagine LSD to be. I've never done it. Um, I don't really plan on doing it because like, you know, it's bad enough that I'm fooling around with this stuff. But, um, and then I remember I go out, my roommate had made me a steak. So I started eating the steak and I was like, okay, please, like maybe me digesting this will help <laughs> all this go away. Uh, but then I get back to my room and I think, you know, there's a couple of things that could be going on here. This could just be the pot. Um, or this could be the fact that about a month ago, uh, the carbon monoxide alarm that's outside my bedroom um, had basically uh, malfunctioned. And that was really late at night. That was probably about midnight. And we had the fire department come out and they said, well, it's not going off. You don't have carbon monoxide, excuse me, in your house. Uh, but this monitor is dying. And so we were kind of negligent about getting a new one. And so that's when I thought there's something this, that could be it. Like, I know that, you know, because I'm a really big, I love reading about like, you know, just creepy stuff that happens to people on the internet. And I know that a lot of the times when people are having just these really bizarre experiences, like they think they see ghosts in the house, they're, they're hearing things, um, they're finding notes that they ended up writing, but they forgot about it. A lot of the times, those are symptoms of uh, CO poisoning. So then I thought, well, that, that's what this could be. Um, so then at that point, I was like, you know what? I should I should call 911 and just get this situated. Like, whatever the consequences are, like, I'll deal with them. Um, and so then what happened is it, it was like a three-stage thing. Like, it, they sent, like, first, like, an ambulance um, and a squad car. Um, to sort of do a welfare check. Side note, I don't know why the police do welfare checks because has that ever made someone calmer like to have the police come? Uh, but anyway, like they, they came with the with the ambulance and like, you know, I'm just having a conversation with them a little bit, just kind of recounting like- their, Wait, it, Andrew, why did they do a welfare check? Did you say you were like suicidal or something? No, crazy like- shit? No, they just heard him on the phone. They're like, oh, we got to check this guy out. No, I, you know, I, I was just talking to the operator and I was like, I just, something something weird is going on. Um, and so then like, <laughs> they come yeah, and yeah, this guy's doing ghost in this house. Somebody's we gotta get some officers down there. So, so then like my I'm roommate is reading my mind. <laughs> and I, I said, like, look, I've had a little bit of cannabis, but this could also be CO. Um and I also had, you know, I also did just tested for corona. And they basically Ladies said, and gentlemen, we got him. And they basically said, like, you know, yeah, whatever, we don't care. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but like a while ago, uh the the Commonwealth was it the Commonwealth's attorney, Discano, like stop prosecuting? Yeah, he's not prosecuting. But also now, starting in July fifteenth, which is after this happened, you there's no more 
uh, criminal statutes for marijuana possession below two ounces in Virginia. July 15th was before this. Yes. So now there's no... So when this happened, Andrew could only be given a civil fine if they found, like, less than two ounces in his house of $25. A good thing he ate it all. (laughs) Maybe No, there was only... I only had at max, like... Oh, actually... Scratch that. Oil is still a felony if you had concentrate. Well, so. I, thought, I thought concentrate was legal, but I... Yeah. Well, I, it might be. Uh, it, definitely not the same thing, though. It's definitely... It's, But yeah, and it, like they don't care. Let's, let's get back to the nitty-gritty. Although with this story, maybe they should... Don't get mad at me. Legalize with people on the call. I'm just saying that, like my <laughs> my 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 whole afternoon made me think, like, huh, there there, there is a reason why this is illegal. Uh, but so then, like, they basically asked me, like, as part of I, I, it was a bit of a welfare check. They were like, you know, are, do you feel like you're going to harm yourself or harm anybody else? And I was like, no, not really. Like, I'm just like kind of really freaked out right now, just because of the, you know, the potential for the CEO. Uh, you know, the cannabis. um, And, you know, I obviously I just tested for Corona. So my level of anxiety is already higher than it typically is. And so then they were like, okay, yeah, which is all I'm pretty like, I don't don't know. uh, I I can be a bit panicky. I'm trying to think high strung. um, But so then they said, okay, how about this? How about we call a fire truck just to make sure everything's good with the carbon monoxide. And how about you just go in the ambulance to go to the hospital to make sure that, you know, in the event of some CO or whatever else might be going on with the cannabis, everything's good. And I was just like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and so then I get in the, I get in the ambulance and um, they're just kind of checking me out. I, they, I feel like they didn't leave for like 15 minutes or so. Uh, but while I was in the ambulance still outside my house, the fire department had shown up and they said my I, roommate sent me a text and they were like, um, Andrew, they did find carbon monoxide in the house. And I was like, holy crap. Um, so that in a way, like I haven't read too much about like, you know, the combination of toxicity and stuff. I and I'm not sure if like carbon monoxide in combination with you know a bit of cannabis could like really um accelerate and like heighten some of those more far out there symptoms uh but that's something i'm still thinking about now and basically i did go to the hospital and um what it says on my release is like i did have elevated levels of carbon monoxide in my blood uh, but whatever it was, wasn't really enough for me to be redlining. Like it still obviously wasn't a good amount and the ideal amount to have is zero. Um, but they also did, and they said that I probably shouldn't go back as long as there was a CO leak, they ended up fixing it. Um, but they also said like, most likely what you're feeling is just the side effects of cannabis and, you know, just, it'll it'll wear off in a bit. Um, so the whole Saturday was just like this fun little experiment and anxiety and like different things going wrong. What were you hallucinating about besides the mind reading? I just had like this great sense of paranoia that like, you know, there, there it was like 20 seconds were going to go by and then like a nuke was going to go off or something. Were you paranoid that you accidentally told the cops that you, you know, did cannabis? Because I, I hate to break it to you, but that was real. No, I didn't care about that at all. 
I, I mean, as soon as I, I, I admitted it because I had known like a bit of the legal background. So it's not like I was too worried about like what the consequences of that would be. I just figured that in the end, I, I mean, obviously, you know, this is, <laughs> this is just growing up with my perspective in a very uh, well-to-do, uh, you know, primarily, um, you know, white, rich, you know, area, like, you know, just be as candid as you can with police officers. They're there to help you, which I don't know if those are things I still agree with at a systematic level. By that point, I had realized that like every, everything's going to be fine. I'm just freaking out a little bit. And that's frankly how I felt like from the point that like the paramedics showed up, up through the hospital, even in the hospital though, like I, it sounded like I was still having a couple auditory hallucinations. Like it was, it sounded like one of my friends from college was there like talking in another room, even though he obviously wasn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say that like at the point that like I called 911, like that, that was like the last moment of my anxiety. And then like everything started to kind of like taper off from there. And let's get into uh, in a series of unfortunate events, as they usually do occur for Andrew in bunches. Uh, what occurred after you got like cleared from the hospital to leave? So then that was... You know, I left the hospital Saturday night and then on Tuesday morning, keeping in mind that I'm still trying to quarantine, but like um, I, I did end up going and sleeping in my parents' house Saturday night because I was still worried about the CEO, even though the fire department plugged it. Um, Tuesday, I get um, an email that that's like, you have a new message on your patient portal. And then I, on for you know, for my doctor's visit. So then I log on to the patient portal and they say, please give us a call immediately. So I'm like, okay, this is obviously the COVID results. So then I call, I call them and I'm on hold for like seven minutes, which is like a gigantic amount of time. Like when I'm, you know, freaking out about, you know, all the things that had happened with, uh, all the things that had happened on Saturday and, you know, just the fear of having the COVID. So eventually you know, a nurse comes on and she's like, Andrew, you did test positive. And I was just like, well, fuck, like I, you know, I had, I wasn't so much worried for myself because like, I'm a young, somewhat able-bodied person. Like I, you know, there's obviously a lot of really scary long-term consequences for it right now, but I figured that, you know, like all I can hope for is that, you know, I just kind of get over this easily. Uh, but I was I haven't heard so about any about long-term consequences. Yes, there's a bunch. What? Maybe you should read oh, the news. God. Yeah. We don't know anything. Anyway, Andrew, keep going. But like, you know, I was more so worried that I had spent time around my, you know, pushing 60 parents like for a bit on Saturday night and Sunday morning. And keep in mind that like during that time, like I was, you know, I was wearing my mask. Um, I was like, you know, social distancing. Like I was probably, you know, I, I was kind of close from, to my mom at one point because she did come up and like, you know, hug me because she was just so worried about that whole situation. Um, but so then I was like, well, crap. Um, but my mom and my brother, who I both came into close contact with, just got their results back, I think either Saturday or yesterday. Um, and they both tested negative for coronavirus. So I'm hopeful that whatever contact I had for them, it wasn't enough to spread it. 
Uh, good news is my family, you know, does not have COVID. So where do you think you got it? Do you have any idea? Is it your roommate, your crazy roommates who gave it to you, probably? Um, that's actually a really good question. And that's something I've been trying to figure out with my brother because the the weekend before I got sick, we had gone down to Richmond uh, to see a couple friends. Um, so we were hanging out in an apartment with probably five or six people. Um, and we had gone out to dinner. We sat outside, mask and everything. We went to uh, one of one of these bars I used to frequent. Um, and that was pretty socially distanced. There weren't too many people in there. We, you know, we stuck to a booth the whole time, mask on. Um, and I was thinking that that trip may have been where I got it. But then my brother ended up testing negative. So I'm thinking that it could have also been from uh, the gym uh, because I've been probably five or six times since it reopened. Um, or it could have been from my roommates or any of the people they're kind of in contact with since they are um, ever since stuff has, you know, more or less reopened, like they've been out like trying to figure out which bars are not abiding by the guidelines every weekend. Um, so that that's another possible variable. Uh, but as of right now, like it's still completely up in the air, like no one I know, like tested positive, um, you know, before I came down with it. Nice. Um, yeah, that's great. So, you 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 went over this a little bit privately with us, but you like you've been it's been one of those like oh it was like the flu for the first couple of days and now you don't have any symptoms really, but you're kind of worried about the symptoms coming back. That one of those cases. Yeah. So the first couple of days, I felt like you know I've had really bad flus before nothing that's like hospitalized me or anything but you know where i'm just like lying lying there just trying to go to sleep to pass the time i'm like my body is freezing so i'm all bundled up in layers like i have my heaviest winter comforter um and that was sort of like thursday night friday honestly by saturday i feel i felt a lot better but uh i still have noticed i've had a lot of congestion recently and I kind of do wake up and I feel a little bit off like each morning. Like I, I'm, I don't know, like it's, I think that I, my body is still kind of fighting it residually because like I'm always dehydrated and I always just feel a little off when I wake up. But like now, like I feel, you know, as normal as I would, you know, it's, it's only been like a, like a less than a week. So even like a common cold, you're not going to fight that off in a week, like completely. Yeah. So and, that's and, good. And what did they say about like a common cold, like three days coming, three days there, and then three days I, there? I don't know. I've, that's bullshit. For me, like I usually get past the worst of the symptoms within within a couple of days for those types of illnesses, but it's still like there for at least two weeks, I feel like. Or like 10 days or so. Like it always yeah. seems to go double digits, but... I I don't know what I am concerned about is I was reading this paper yesterday um, that was saying that in some patients, what they've seen is like they have pretty mild symptoms and then there's like a resurgence of really severe ones. And so I'm kind of hoping that I can skirt that um, and just like, okay. Is that well, for all patients who have mild symptoms or just a couple? Just for a couple. Oh, um, well, I mean, yeah. I'm sure but, that's that's true with most illnesses. 
And there's so much we don't know about this. Like, obviously, we've had coronaviruses before, and that's why we're so close to a vaccine is because, you know, it's kind of like a game of Mad Libs. Like, you you just have the one coronavirus and you just replace it with, you know, SARS-CoV-2 or wh whichever this particular strain is. Uh, but there's just so much we don't know about the long-term implications. And, you know, I, I don't want to throw around numbers because I'm not here to fear monger. Um, but it sounds like a lot of people have just dealt with like, you know, long-term heart or lung damage because of this. Um, and that makes me worried for the future of, you know, how many millions of Americans are now going to have, you know, disabilities because of it. Um, it's too late. We already have too much heart disease. Yeah. And heart disease is number already the number one cause of death here. So did Andrew say something? Alex, can you hear me? Can you hear Alec Andrew? Andrew, who? I'm sorry. Yes, I could hear him the whole time. I was making. Oh my god, up. I fucking hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry. And we're back. Alex is pulling fast ones left and right here. Uh, we just got into a horribly cringe segment that I will spare your ears from. And... Gifford wanted to talk about me putting things nope, up my nope, ass, and nope, I did, nope. and he didn't like it. I don't know what he expected to happen. I mean, I don't know what you were expecting after six bananas to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to you microwave guys, them. So, Alex, <laughs> why are you so adverse to the alien topic that keeps reappearing on the show? Oh, no, I'm, I'm absolutely not adverse to the alien topic. It's just the way that we approach it. The, the first time we what, talked about what? it upset me. Be, the first time we talked about it upset me because we couldn't stick to one thing. It started with like a 10-minute story that nobody could focus on, and then it, it ended with us switching back and forth between hypothetical non-sequitur concepts. That I, If we could focus on one alien talking point and stick with it I'd, I'd be your man i also i also am, am i allowed to give you a little bit of criticism i received after the first episode yes yeah I, i've been waiting for you to tell me some some of the okay. things people said that they didn't like me doing well the number one criticism is you whining about non sequiturs like 20 minutes into the show and just not being able to accept that they're a part of the show Crickets. Yeah, sorry. There's there's nothing I can do about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry for all of the people who were complaining about the show not making sense and me pointing that out. But to it's, be it's, fair, most of the non sequiturs that it, I was whining about were, were Andrew just not making any goddamn sense. That's not even true. I would I had like half of them. It was it was honestly my intention to make non sequiturs a part of the oh, show. Good God. He. he and, it, it just, the, the humor doesn't make any sense to me. I, I'm sorry. When you start saying things that are like a, just sort of theoretical, like a, you're, yeah. you're just spewing hypotheticals that are tangentially related to what we're talking about, that does, that's not funny to me. It's just Yeah, but you also have said in the first show that you don't care if it's funny or not, and it wasn't really about being funny for you. So right. I don't. So, if so you, don't, you don't funny, get to play. But it also doesn't make any sense. It's not that I don't yeah, like but, it. It's just that it doesn't okay. make sense. But you don't get to play the non-funny card when you literally don't care about that part of the show. Which I want to remind everybody, that is the only part of the show that matters. It has to be at least funny and enjoyable to listen to. Nobody, let's try and minimize. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't like that the non-sequiturs aren't funny, but the, the problem I have with them is that they don't make any sense and I can't do anything with them. Like if you start just saying, oh yeah, Hillary Clinton is a lizard, then I, what the hell am I going to say about that? It has nothing to do with whether it's funny or not. It's just like, I, I don't know what the hell's going on. Why can't you just be Im improvisational and just go with it? Andrew was doing some improv. Andrew, why don't you sing the uh, the Ziggy Marley song from Arthur that you were singing in the first show? 
<laughs> Every day when you're walking down the see, this is just what Alex is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> sing it, sing it. Everybody that you meet has an original mm, point, point of view. Of view. And I we said, hey, hey, what a wonderful find today. You're like changing <laughs> tempos too. <laughs> this is just like that concert where like ju- when Justin Bieber had to correct his fans on how to like clap <laughs> in rhythm, which is probably like the most funny asshole thing like you can do as a musician. Because I mean, they were wrong. They were on the on beat. Um, they were wrong? Okay. Yeah, they were wrong. <laughs> they were doing Alex, like... Gif didn't what, like what? it when Carlos Santana was complaining that none of us in the audience were getting into it, but I, I thought it was perfectly valid. I didn't think it was an asshole move at all. Dude, it's you're Carlos Santana, and it's 2019. Maybe just give it a rest, bro. Yeah, maybe it's just not... play Black Magic Woman and shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That burns. I mean... The man knows how to smooth. It's also play that okay. Guitar. It's There's also no way I can't move. which he didn't even write. Peter Green wrote that song. It's also Jiffy Lube Live, bro. Fucking matter. Like, yeah, there's room to dance around there, man. No, I mean chill out, man. We're just vibing. Don't tell me how to vibe. Anything. What does it mean to be vibing? What What does it mean? Yeah, Andrew, you know what it means to vibe, right? Yeah, you're just vibing, man. <laughs> Come on, Alex. Why is it every time I ask someone to tell me what the fuck they mean in a context where they're saying vibing, they can only say vibe. That's all, that's all they can say. It's because Guys, it has a meaning Alex, that can't be explained. It, Alex it's was, because it doesn't mean a goddamn thing. That's why. Alex was raised in complete isolation with only an 1800 edition of Webster's Dictionary, so he doesn't exactly <laughs> understand the modern language. Yeah, Alex, jokes you. on you. Alex, Webster's Dictionary only came into fruition in the 1880s, so... Well, right, that's nice exactly job. how I know you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> Alex uh, will constantly correct our group messages whenever we say I mean or um, LOL or something. He'll be like, oh, I didn't I didn't know that's what you meant or something really condescending like that. And it's I'm not just correcting. In, I'm just complaining that you guys. It's could... infuriating. All right. Well, maybe that's because you guys don't know how to speak properly. So you resort to these bullshit phrases that don't mean it, anything. It's like obviously they mean. How can you say they don't mean anything? They are a part of the lexicon, and they understand them. Can we cut this whole thing out? It's making me look like a giant fucking asshole. But that's (laughs) That's the point. We're having this conversation because you do this in the group. And And what's worse is that the first Webster's Dictionary was published in 1806. So you were like so close to being right. It's not even funny. So so fucking (laughs) cut this whole thing. I like I like this segment. This is a good one. Uh, yeah, this has been this has been great. I'm on a roll right now. Uh, who wants to do an Anakin versus Obi Wan impression and action? You turned her against me. You have done that yourself. You will not take her from me. Your anger and your lust for power have already done that. You have allowed this Dark Lord to twist your mind. Until now, you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. Don't lecture me, Obi-Wan. I see through your lies of the Jedi. I do not fear the dark side as you do. I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire? Don't make me kill you. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! If you're not with me, then you are my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. You will try. All right, Juilliard, if you're listening, uh, my PayPal is giffordhampshire at paypal.org. I don't actually know. That's my PayPal. 
Uh, mine's foxander underscore s at yahoo.com. Go ahead and shoot me a little something. Mine Ooh. is BBC Lever 300. <laughs> <laughs> I Wait, love the BBC. You... I love uh, I love the crown. That's a great show. Wait, what's what's the second part of that? Oh, Lover. Oh, okay. Well, if you guys <laughs> listened to the first episode or the second episode, uh, the the Blackout Basketball Conference, that's also the BBC. So maybe you love that as well. Yeah, I do love drinking and I do love me some basketball. So I can't wait to go get back into that episode because that was a funny story. I liked listening to that. There was a there was a second part that I was unaware of involving tequila, and I won't spoil it. But it, let's just say it's hilarious. It's like Animal House level of college humor. Um, all right, I, I gotta go. Serious. Sayonara, uh, sailor. Bye, bye, Alex. Cool. All right. Now that the Dennis the Menace is gone, uh, why don't we get into aliens? Okay. Um, I I liked how on episode two you guys seem to. I think bring back I think this, this should be a reoccurring topic. a reoccurring topic. Like, a, there's just so much material, you know. There really is, and I'm glad that Connor brought up George Knapp and all that stuff about crafts. Like, I I actually didn't know about that, or I guess I hadn't heard the Joe Rogan where he was on it. So that was really interesting to me. Um, and I think that you know we we talked a little bit earlier about how. If we're going to talk about aliens, like we should stick to one facet like per episode and like then break it down instead of just like, you know, jumping, um, you know, and extrapolating from that, you know, to the most ridiculous conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess what we could do for that is I, I, I actually have been doing a little bit of homework uh, since the last episode and since episode two. Uh, I've been watching this one show called Unidentified on on History Channel. Why are um, all the alien shows on History Channel? It doesn't really make much sense, does it? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, they if, should be on Alternative History Channel or something. Well, that's the thing is, like, I wonder who funds the History Channel because <laughs> I feel like if it was it's like George PD, Soros, <laughs> it's someone trying to destroy Western values and bastardize <laughs> our culture. <laughs> um, because yeah, like think about like it's how like TLC used to be like PBS and used to be publicly funded, and now all the programming is like two thousand pound sisters. Like <laughs> History Channel at one point, I'm sure used to actually have documentaries on like the Civil War and stuff, but now it's like ancient aliens. Like, what? Who built the pyramids, man? Like it's. It's just like, you know, the kind of stuff that I would have thought of like on my little adventure Saturday. Um, <laughs> but I, well, I don't know if you're prepared for this. This if you want to directionalize this se- segment, um what are your thoughts on the uh Stonehenge? Do you think that was man-made or do you think they had help? That's a really good question. Um I mean, I I guess you could apply that to like any level of ancient structures like the easter island heads or or the pyramids or machu picchu or anything like that uh i think they could have hypothetically done it if they had like levers and pulleys um i do think however it's completely possible that there may have been some sort of like ritualistic significance of structures like that um, like I haven't seen it like and paired it up with like a star chart um, to see like if there's any sort of like constellations that it aligns men or certain patterns in the, the night sky at certain times of year that are in alignment with it. 
um, because that sounds like something the pagans would do. Um, I frankly, Stonehenge, it, it's impressive, but like, just think about how many stones like went into the pyramids. Like, I think that if either of them had help, like it would have been the pyramids. Yeah, but the pyramids were just so much later than Stonehenge. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. I know the pyramids were ancient, but still, like Stonehenge was like the dawn of mankind, and not only that, but each stone is not separate. Like they're all completely intact, and I'm I'm pretty sure weight wise, like even though the pyramids are absurd, like in the amount of stones and the weight of each stone, it's just the sheer impossibility of the Stonehenge stones, which boggles people's minds. Because like the the pyramids, theoretically, like they could have enough manpower and they could use their sleds and stuff to get each stone up, even though it'd be incredibly difficult. But the Stonehenge stones are almost immovable. They're so big and heavy. Well, I just did a little bit of background research, and it looks like they built Stonehenge in about uh, 3000 BC, give or take. And they're saying right now that historical analysis tells us that the Giza pyramids were built in a span of 85 years between about uh, 2590 and 2504 BC. Um, so there's about like 500 years between that, obviously. Okay, so it's not negligible. What, go ahead and look up when the Mesopotamia River Valley existed. Because that. <laughs> the river still exists. <laughs> I mean, do you the, mean the when the Mesopotamian ancients... civilization existed? Yeah, exactly. That one. When did Mesopotamia start? It says about 6,000 years ago or about 4,000 okay, so... BC. So I think the discrepancy might also be part of the fact that it's one, not one of the four ancient river valley civilizations. And Egypt was. So, mm -hmm. like, the fact that... So, like, Egypt obviously had, like, slaves and leadership and rulers and manpower. They basically had the one of the first ever cities. But, you know, it doesn't really make sense for Stonehenge because there are just a bunch of barbarians, essentially, living in northern, Europe, uh, northern Britain who were able to build this colossal you know, struck not very big, but in terms of, you know, lifting heavy items, it would have taken a city, essentially. Well, what I'm wondering right now is, like, were the rocks, like, locally sourced? Like, how many yeah, miles, like, that's did the other thing is, from? Oh, I think that that, that, um, that had something to do with it as well. I really wish I knew this off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that, yeah, like, the rocks were, like, moved, uh, many miles from their source because if there's like a you know like a a granite source or or something um you know that's there's a some sort of depository that's nearby um you know that would be one thing but if it was like you know we've moved them dozens of miles like that would that would definitely take a lot of coordination that you could argue um that you know the pagans are the i don't even know who was like really the coptics like who was really back in England, like at that time period. Um, but that would take certainly a lot of coordination. So okay. I'm on, uh, I'm on the internet right now. And it says that they were moved 15 miles from, uh, from a wooded area nearby. It's still 15 miles. That's no chump change. Like back in the yeah. day, like when was the wheel invented? <laughs> like, you know, like did they, <laughs> did they just have like a, or they just dragging it like that long? Cause that would, that would piss me off, you know, like 
you know, you're. I feel like home. they invented the wheel before ancient Mesopotamia, because that's when agriculture was invented, right? And like they definitely had wheels then. When, once capitalism comes in the door, oh man, I can't wait to have Kyle okay. on. So he, the the wheel was ahead. invented uh, 500 years before Stonehenge. Okay, still it'd have to be a pretty sturdy wheel to carry the these things. Yeah, like I'm just imagining like imagine like the prototype wheels, like whatever genius like you know saw you know the motion and thought, you know, it would be so much easier to move things if we had What is this. the closest thing to a wheel in nature? Maybe like a bug or something that rolled? Uh, like a roly-poly-oly or something? Yeah, that like what do you think how do you think they got the idea? I don't know, like maybe Maybe it's one day, of... like they accidentally rolled like a rock down a hill or something, Ooh, and they thought that's that probably a good idea. The distance that they were able to cover in an amount of time was so much shorter by the fact that it was able to fall in like a somewhat fluid motion. But like counter, what I'm counter theory, maybe aliens gave us the technology for the wheel. Well, that's like I, I almost wonder if like that's the end game of like all this, uh, all this revelation stuff. Not like from the Bible, but like <laughs> from the U.S. government, like slowly letting us hear about pieces of uh, the alien story. Because you can, the New York Times put out an article about this. Um, the DOD basically admitted a few weeks back that they had had at one point classified briefings where contractors had gone to the DOD and said, okay, we found these craft." Um, and we've been trying to, this is like kind of what Connor was talking about. We've been trying to reverse engineer them, but we honestly mm-hmm. have no idea where the hell they came from. And this is the New York Times reporting it. This isn't Alex Jones level. When, this isn't Andrew Ballack, our conspiracy the, level. When did the New York Times report this? This was like a few weeks back. They reported Kraft. They were trying to reverse engineer. Yeah. Do you have the link to that? Let me don't don't trouble yourself too much, but it ha- like they announced that they had UFOs that they were trying to reverse engineer. Yes, the past, they said this in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, this was like at the end of July. Here's an article for, from July 24th. Uh, not made on this earth. Top secret Pentagon UFO task force reportedly expected to re- reveal some findings. According to a recent report from the New York Times, a top-secret Pentagon program has been conducting classified briefings for over a decade, analyzing various encounters between military craft and UAVs. Uh, well, that's unmanned, unidentified aerial vehicles. Um, and okay. then it basically goes into like you know <laughs> they didn't want to say they didn't want to say UFOs. <laughs> well, the thing is like that's another thing. Like, do we believe that these are aliens? Do we believe that it's a really covert, like, U.S., um, you know, is it something that, like, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works or, like, a really top-secret program has been can I be, secretly Can I be honest? I totally believe that they're aliens, but I don't believe that if uh, something like that, like, we have, like, a District 9 situation. You've seen that movie, right? Yeah, I'm familiar with the premise. If we had, if we had that situation where, like, we had straight-up alien gear in a facility, I don't... I don't really buy that we could keep it a secret. Like, I think there would be leaks and there would be leaks to the point where like it would be more than the leaks we have now where it's just like some like 
shitty, you know, grayscale photos that have been edited clearly. I feel like we would we would have way more. The secret, the cat would get out of the bag. Well, like, what would we have? Like, would there, would we have a craft? Like, what? Where is the level? I, where you... I think we would have real pictures of a craft and like, like some alien language on like the center consoles or whatever. Well, you know, I mean, so... we have the Nimitz incident. We have you know where we have multiple uh, Navy pilots who have reported seeing something that you know, was at one point in the air and then, you know, accelerated at a rate yeah, yeah. that wasn't possible. I buy that those are, that those are aliens, but I don't think like we have like a, like some guy frozen, you know, like we don't have like a crashed, like UFO just hanging out in a bunker somewhere or some frozen alien guy that they're studying his, his tissue. But I do believe that the alien counters like that are, outside of the government like facilities are real see that's what would scare me more is you know what would happen is like there's almost like a sense of security if like oh, let's dude, say the it, government has some secret treaty with the aliens so they're like okay we're not gonna fuck with you, you that's what you want you want our government to to do to have like stately uh ambassador meetings with the aliens and I that think, that would go sour before any i think best case scenario is they know who we are they know we're not a threat and they're just keeping their keeping tabs on us well for, to think about that like we're like an ant farm to them they just like to come and see how everything's going that would be so humbling because i mean i was saying like let's say that we don't have any craft and we don't have any alien specimens and the only that would basically mean that the government, obviously, they put more scrutiny than you and I into it, but that would basically mean at some level they know just about as much about this as the public does, which would be really terrifying to me. Um, Why would if, that be scary, though? Because if they haven't... Because we don't know what the fuck they are. Yeah, <laughs> and and no one, like, at the highest level of government, like, I'm talking, like, you know, the people you don't even know about, um, right. you know, really high up in the DOD, really high up in the three-level agencies, they just don't fucking know. Like, that would be... Really, I, I mean, it would be no, humbling man. in a way. That's but... that's the best case scenario because guess what? Conflict arises in one situation and one situation only. Conflict arises when there's a failure to properly communicate. And if the aliens don't want to communicate with us to begin with, then we can't fuck it up and piss them off. And I think that's the best case scenario. Just no... Con- like, no... No... Um, no... Uh, contact from us that we want. Like we, oh, I'm I'm messing this up so bad. So basically, we, you're we have no choice in contacting them, but they have a choice in contacting us. And as long as it stays that way, I think we're good. Because if they haven't killed us yet, they're not gonna. Yeah, I suppose that. I mean, like every year, like we're developing technology that it, we're getting closer to. You know, these sort of craft, or you know, that can easily move you know from the air to the water and then move at speeds that are you know two times as fast as the fastest u.s submarine um i mean every year we're getting closer so you know if they if they wanted to eliminate the human race you think they would have done it you know back in 3600 bc back when we didn't even have I don't, the fucking I don't even wheel think it's that <laughs> I, think, I think it's not so much like how much of a threat we are because i think they know how much of a threat we are and it, it's going to be hundreds of years until we can even compete 
if we can even compete because they're going to continue to progress at the same rate, if not faster. So let me ask you this. Like, I think the, 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 the coolest part about that whole situation, which I just laid out, is that they have studied us for, you know, however long we, there have been UFO settings, like late 1800s, I guess. Before, probably ancient. Okay, yeah, right, right. They could have been there. And if they haven't, they haven't determined from themselves that we're a really fucked up race, and we are, that is going, that they need to get rid of right away, which they probably should, then they're not going to, I don't think they're ever going to come to that conclusion unless we start having, you know, negotiations with them. And then that's when we could get into trouble. But if they haven't decided we're a, like, we need to be eliminated yet, then I think that's the best news we could ha- we could ask for. Well, I wonder too, like if things like really escalated, like to the brink of like closer than Cuban Missile Crisis level, like the button has been pushed. The, the first warheads are flying, like total nuclear destruction of the planet. Like if they have the technology to travel across galaxies and the technology to, to move uh, like their craft move, Um, you know, if they have that technology, I think they could hypothetically have the technology to, uh, to just like, you know, at, you know, flip a switch and then all the nukes like suddenly like powered down or something. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I think they have the tech, if they have that technology, they probably have the technology to take out the sun or something, you know? Yeah. But would they do that? I don't know. I mean, part of me, like there's no telling how or what they think about and you know they could be benevolent they could not be but maybe you know they would be able to save all the innocent humans and simultaneously make sure that the ones who are guilty of starting a war are just put to death right away so who knows and to me that sounds a little bit like the rapture too so like that makes oh, me God. wonder sometimes like <laughs> if if, if, if Jesus all, was an alien, <gasps> yeah. Well, that's the theory: is that oh, like all the ancient shit. religions were actually yeah. interactions with these higher beings uh, that people might consider to be angels, but they were really just extraterrestrials. And that's the whole ancient aliens theory. And that, in some way, these Jeez, you know, quote, unquote, you just blew angels, my. You literally just blew my mind. My mind has exploded all over my my office here. it's all it's all over the monitor um but yeah that's kind of the it, with a little bit more wackiness that's kind of the premise of ancient aliens that you know all these societies kind of evolved and grew religiously and they all talk about some divine beings um that that's that those are all um you know some form of extraterrestrials and then that <laughs> that's how it's kind of evolved their modern folklore um you know and our modern religious texts um you know i I obviously I take it all with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, but, but right. like you know, there are some things like that. <laughs> you know, we. I mean, it the makes... thing is, there's a, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 you go. I was gonna say that like there are already things that are so far out there that like, I mean, I I think that we, we that's a, I think that's plausible given what they've already released. Like, I almost wonder if like. You know, that's what the New York Times has published. But think about like what's still being discussed in like, you know, closed door congressional meetings um, or not even in Congress, like at like the, you know, at yeah. the three no level. No chance agencies. Congress knows this. It's all it's all, got to be all executive. Yeah. Uh, let's go over the Avril Lavigne conspiracy real quick. 
Yeah, so shout out to Kirsten uh, for requesting this. Uh, <laughs> but the Avril Lavigne con conspiracy, uh, to my understanding, is Avril Lavigne obviously, you know, had a huge breakout in, I forget the name of the album, but it was either 2002 or 2003. You know, she had the huge album with Skater Boy, Complicated, uh, you know, all those big songs. Um, and the conspiracy is that I think she lost a grandparent around that time. Um, and that she, you know, just grew very depressed and kind of disillusioned with her newfound fame and ended up committing suicide. Um, but that in the process, um, you know, since whenever that happened around circa 2003, 2004, or since she's yeah. been replaced with a doppelganger. Um, but honestly, I've, I've looked at, you know, before and after pictures and I, I honestly, like, I don't think she was ever popular enough to like be replacement looks like, like she just started doing her hair yeah that's what it looks like she started curling her hair a little bit and wearing more makeup have you ever heard the theory that like paul mccartney died in 1966 that's and he was replaced? literally this so i just pulled this up to just check your facts as we're going over this and the second one on here is paul mccartney <laughs> but the thing <laughs> is he, like that's he fucking died in a car and accident that's beatlemania right there you know like that is you know, next to Elvis, we're talking like, you know, two of the most famous artists of all time, like at the height of Beatlemania, like, I feel like that's something that someone would like, you know, in a closed door meeting, you know, make the decision to keep going, you know, just because there's so much more oh, money. Oh, you to think it's out. real? I think that it, there's a lot more. I think that I don't think either are real. See, but... I'm the opposite because I think Avril Lavigne, the, the record label could prop up like a surrogate if she was not popular enough for people to figure it out. But I feel like Paul McCartney, there's no chance somebody wouldn't figure that out. Like, and like verifiably figure it out, like not just have a conspiracy theory online, but like we would have like pictures of his dead corpse and stuff because John Lennon didn't survive and they didn't prop up a fake John Lennon. Well, that was also 10 years after the Beatles had broken up. Like, you know, this was 66, so, like, this is even before Sgt. Peppers came out. This is I don't, still, like, I just, Revolver area. I mean, I believe it. I don't think they would take it to the grave with them, though. I, I think, you know, Ringo would speak up for sure. And even if it, it it's true, like, fake Paul has written some bangers. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, if the stuff yeah. on... Well, uh, I mean, yeah, you think, you think a fake Paul McCartney did Wings? Come on. <laughs> you feel like you just started like a fake like... i can't believe that a fake paul mccartney wrote band on the run <laughs> <laughs> or wonderful christmas time that song sucks no offense paul mccartney i just mean i don't think he could pull off a whole another band i don't think you know you don't think he'd have like the musical prowess to like continue writing songs and then that's you think at some point someone would realize man these chord progressions suck now <laughs> like you know it's not it's obviously not the same dude that wrote Newsflash, you know love me do all or, like, pop all those music songs. chord progressions suck that's why they're pop music and they don't really suck but you know what i mean they're just they're the same they're you're not I, breaking ground with pop music chord progressions and that's the interesting thing. Like, I almost think that, you know, obviously you're a pretty, um, I don't know, like a, pr you're one of those guys who goes out of his way to like listen to more than just what's going to be provided oh, yeah. to you I, by like, I hate, the radio or Spotify. I don't even listen on the radio. Yeah, exactly. I, I really try and get into, I don't want to say like deep cuts, but definitely like artists that people who love the genre of music love, not 
not so much top 40 stuff i kind of hate top 40 stuff and that's the crazy thing too is like i you know a lot of people complain like oh i was born in the wrong generation i wish i was back in the 60s no this is the best generation you can listen to all music yeah exactly except for the music that has not been invented yet (laughs) so every year later is the best generation or all the music that was lost in that big universal warehouse fire Um, (laughs) but think about it like you can access so much music from like your computer that's you know terabytes upon terabytes of songs that you may have just never heard if they were not on mtv or they weren't on the radio um and that let's just say they're cycling through like the same 200 songs on their playlist like you know clear channel seems to do now like that that would piss me off like it almost feels like they're using music to pass the time more than they are to just in like discover it as sort of like an art form like you know what i mean like it's almost like they're reading like like it's like people who read newspaper articles or like magazines like you you know you know what i mean like soft not reading a novel that they've never that everybody like has talked about for years but they're just trying to like you know kill time and get to their destination and get kind of like lost in the drive i guess i don't know i was actually i was having a conversation with my brother uh, a couple weeks ago and i was like dude aren't you glad that like we didn't grow up when like hair metal was popular (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no tell me about it man i can't believe i can't even imagine the best band during my era as being like motley crew or poison or something i would and like we were saying like he's like you know he's like a big fan of like bob dylan and like carol king and like you know simon and garfunkel and abba and all these great pop acts but i was just like you we would have been beaten up for listening to this music you would be be stuffed in the locker have your perm ruined by getting a a a twisty in the toilet yeah have like cigarette burns on our arms and everything (laughs) like this is the only thing my dad ever gave me (laughs) it's a banner year at the old bender household okay well i guess i guess we should we're kind of running out of time here so i guess we should kick this thing off um next next time andrew's on i want him to go over the james brown conspiracy it's not so much a conspiracy anymore because as of february 2020 prosecutors are investigating that his death could have been a murder and i won't give any more away than that can i do sam cook too with that because oh yeah sure man the world is your oyster okay. uh, i just want to thank andrew again for letting me come on and fulfill my dream of like being this guy sitting in his uh office with a microphone and headphones on and just like yelling about aliens to a possibly non-existent audience i feel like i'm in a gta 5 game or something i'm one of those crazy npcs (laughs) yeah you're one of the who lives out in the like desert so thank you for that andrew of course that's (laughs) what i'm here for all right everybody and we're back to the number one alien comedy podcast in the mid-atlantic So yeah, guys, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, Here are the things you can do to help me if you did really enjoy that episode. Number one, and most importantly, please hit me up on my Facebook, on my Twitter, on my Instagram, 
all are linked in the anchor.fm uh, page, homepage, and hit me up and give me some feedback. Tell me what you want me to change, what you like, what you don't like, what you're indifferent to. All those things, like I've said a billion times, help me so much to tailor this podcast to the audience that I know exists because we're on episode three. Second, go ahead, no matter where you're listening, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor, and give my podcast a favorable review if you're so inclined. Now, if you're not inclined, this goes back to the feedback. Tell me what I have to do to earn a favorable review from you, and I will... I will try my best to do that. Additionally, go ahead and hit that subscribe button no matter what site you're on so you get notifications every time a new episode is published. And yeah, that's about it. Um, you guys have been amazing. I'm sorry I'm promoting this so hard. I just want everybody to listen because this has become a huge passion project of mine. But, you know, the audience will grow. I have faith. Um, and yeah, as we normally do, here is some traditional, unusual music to wean you out of episode three. Uh, today we have some Inuit throat singing, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.